This week on Invasion of the Podcast, it's time to say goodbye to the guy with the gun. Does the original Infinity Gauntlet still grab our attention? And will Paul choose wisely or choose poorly? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the realm of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time, and I um, can't drink beer correctly, so my, my name is Paul, and the left is, is Steve. I can drink beer correctly, at least yeah. that's what my friends tell me. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the Infinity Gauntlet, so uh, the, the the comic series this week, the original event series, and I just want to point out that I have an Infinity Gauntlet on, on my desk here. It is getting heavier as I go along, because it is a bank, and you guys heard that thump. Um, so I have an Infinity Gauntlet, and then I'm also I have a boot that I'm drinking beer out of that is not Infinity based, and I really <laughs> this boot it can hold three beers, so maybe it's not an infinite amount of beers. It's I, it's not finite. I don't know what it's. It's enough beers, and I went to go take a drink, and because it's a boot shape, you got it turn it as you drink or it's going to glurb up into your face and that's what happened so i like the idea of an infinity boot though <laughs> the infinity, like what would, so the infinity gauntlet controls all of reality what would the infinity boot do like just, i would think it would just be kicked up somebody's ass <laughs> yeah yeah right. so uh so yeah we're gonna be talking about that let me move the gauntlet back out of the way here it's my red foreman yeah. joke of the day <laughs> dumbass uh, so yeah uh, i hope you guys uh enjoyed our god of war talk last week because uh, i had a lot of god of war i wanted to get out and i ended up buying god of war so i'm gonna talk about it again for a second i made steve watch some video game playing for a minute the new game is it's beautiful uh the combat is pretty great uh, it's very observational and defensive i feel like the way i played anyway like you got to watch what's going on i guess all video games you got to watch what's going on right i guess even back to pac-man you had to watch what was going on but this one is more, it, you can't just go in guns a-blazing like you could in the previous games. You'll get your ass kicked. So this one you have to kind of watch and wait for opportunities. So I like that. I like the emotional stuff in this. Like we t you asked me last week, like what would be the left turn? Like that, like, so narrative-wise, this is different than other God of War games. Uh, Tone-wise, it's a little different. The combat is brutal at times, so it feels like God of War. Uh, but it, I... I care so much about Kratos and his son Atreus as I'm going along this journey as, as bad as I'm playing it. I, this game, it is just as epic as the other games in terms of scale, but this thing has a heart and it is, it is pulling on some strings as you go along. It's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the gameplay that I saw was, it was pretty impressive. And yeah, the amount of detail that is in the game is just ridiculous down to like scars on Kratos's body to, you know, just stuff in the background. And, you know, maybe um, maybe that's typical now for games and I'm just unaware, but it, it looked really beautiful. It looked like a very uh, well done, well constructed game, I guess might be the best way. Of putting oh, yeah, it. it's it's um, there. It, you could tell that it's been. It, uh, polished you know until it shines and it, it's a good game and 
Uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll talk more about it like in the next couple of weeks as I go to because it's 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 a very large, expansive game. It's not linear. Uh, I mean, the other games weren't linear in the sense like I mean, it was from A to B, but they'd always kind of circle back and show you things before. And this is very much you could kind of choose where you want to go within reason. And it's it's much more in depth of a game than I was expecting for something involving Kratos being angry at things. So it's it's a cool game, and I lost my most of my weekend to it, which that's that's a good sign for a video game. If you're just, you know, that's it. You look at the clock, and it's like five hours later, the sun's down, uh, you know, the, the next Ice Age has happened. You know, like, that tells you that's a good sign of a game. So, so is there, are there people already out there who are like, I beat it already? I don't know. I... <laughs> I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's people out there that have already finished it and taken it to GameStop to get because I know I know people that their whole goal is to finish a game as fast as possible so they can get the maximum trade in, and it's like that's cool if you have time, but I, I don't have that time, so I'm playing it when I can, uh, and I'm not paying attention to everybody else that's finished it because good on you. I either I have other interests that keep me away from it, or I have to go to bed eventually and I have to go to work eventually. So right. you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good game. I don't buy a lot of games brand new. I, I don't regret this purchase. So it, it's been great so far. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you had something that, so over the weekend. like you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, nothing like major, but... Uh, no last God episode, of War. No God of War for me. Uh, just, you know, watching some more movies, and uh, I got to uh, watch Pieces, which I had also picked up at Cinema Wasteland. Um, and it's one of those movies that's kind of got a reputation for being um you know oh you've you've got to see pieces it's crazy and um it i don't want to say that you know i thought it was all right (laughs) cards on the table it wasn't my cup of tea uh i didn't think it was scary i didn't think there was any suspense to it i didn't think there was anything really original to the characters or ideas um and like i understand on the fact that like it was built on probably its shock value at the time but when i compare it to something like maniac which has got the same sort of type of shock value to it maniac has got a very interesting story built into it and you and it's got a different point of view whereas with pieces i just felt like it was kind of soulless in a lot of ways i didn't i never really grafted on any of the characters huh. the kills were all yeah, they were typical for that time period, and yes, there there is some fantastic gore in it, but like it was nothing that ever really g- grabbed onto me and like kept my attention. That's fair. I mean, I guess sometimes when you get to exploitive cinema, some people are there for the exploitation part. Yeah, not that this is exploitive. I mean, it is murder and it is you know gore. I, so some people do like the sensationalist part of it, and that's that's what rocks their boat, and that's fine. Um, as we talked about with the burning, I mean, not that that's high art because it's not, and it's not a good movie. Um, it it missed the point. It, it focused on like the the being terrible to people and killing, as opposed to actually making like I, uh, just an overall uh, interesting film. I'm not saying that a bad like you could have a villain be the the main point of a film and not make an interesting movie. Like you mentioned, Maniac. Like yeah. maybe well. I, I know of Maniac. I've not seen it. That's a great omission on my part. Maybe it's more nuanced character than just somebody that goes around killing people. Um, so maybe there's some c- conflict there. I don't know. But I feel like you can still tell a good story that way. Uh, I just get tired of some of these films that are just like murder for murder's sake. That is not interesting to me. There's no suspense. Yeah, and I mean, it... it... <sighs> 
it's kind of hard to hold it up now um, because it's it's one of those things where when you look at you know the violence of the gore, like it's been done you know tenfold now these days, um, and there there was just nothing that felt original to me about it, and. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there right now who are like pieces is you know uh, a work of genius or whatever. <laughs> um, but for me, and maybe it's just me coming to it now as opposed to had I seen it when it was originally released in the '80s, or um, you know maybe even in the last like 10, 15 years when I started to like find my way back to horror, maybe it would have grabbed me differently at the time. But there just wasn't anything there. Um, <laughs> You know, the characters didn't grab me. The kills didn't grab me, you know. Um, well, I, I, okay, so I I feel like if something is effective when it comes out, there's still merit that it could be effective later. And sometimes you need a, need a little bit of context to understand why something's effective. But when you say, well, maybe I saw it back then, if it... <laughs> If it didn't change its approach, then I don't know how how much different you'd feel about it. Then you know, yeah. like like you talk about being released in the eighties, and I know we we're talking we talked about slashes a lot on here, and I know that there's there's franchises that you like a lot that are from that time that are slashers, but people talk more about them than they do a film like Pieces. And again, I, I've seen I've seen pieces of it. I've not seen the whole film, um, so I can't speak to all of it. But I I, just, I feel like sometimes. You know, the cream does rise to the top, you yeah. know, so like maybe there's a reason why if it doesn't have that story element that makes it compelling, then what what are you left with is just a bunch of just people getting killed, you know, and that it, maybe it was just been just as flat then as it is now. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean it in the sense that like I watched it and was like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it just it was there was nothing there to really for me to, to, to grab onto. Um, so I, I, I shouldn't say I had high hopes for it, but I just know of its place in sort of cinema history. And I was hoping for something that would jar me or, um, throw me for a loop, uh, which is what I was expecting. And I kind of got just a run of the mill slasher that kind of went out of its way to have some cool gore to it, but nothing that, ever elevated it we'll put it that way um, that's that's how i feel like when, when we revisited that film demons recently when i got to show it to my wife and a buddy of mine for the first time i'd saw it growing up and other than a really badass motorcycle samurai sword sequence in the end of that movie there's not a lot of like character to care about it's just you know people turning into the demon monsters and attacking each other and visually it's cool it's just, there's just no story there so that's i feel like that's one of those movies that does get talked about because of uh, some of the ideas, but it, 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 is, it isn't it isn't that great of a film. It's a fun movie, it, it, and the effects are well done, uh, but I, it's not one that I'd want to come back to to show as, like, you see this film, and this is what built onto this. This is what built onto this. And sometimes I, sometimes those movies are just, like, you turn them on, and you put them in the background, you're done, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, I will just say that, you know, had it been done with the kind of uh, flair and originality that at least Demons was done with done as well. Maybe I could have grafted onto that. But so you're saying yeah. there should have been a motorcycle with the guy riding it with the samurai sword. 
I think every movie should have that. I agree. The uh, you know the next uh, whatever the next like Reese Witherspoon comedy is <laughs> like, next uh, makes me think of like I me mean, not not that the new like the most recent Best Picture which is Shape of Water which you know that movie is great as it is could it have used a guy in a motorcycle samurai sword maybe we don't know but like Michael think, Shannon on yes. a motorcycle with a samurai sword and, and somehow <laughs> he cuts off his own fingers you just don't yeah right so. I, I would be all about that. So, um, yeah, like just to mention this also quickly, uh, Cleveland Cinemas did their midnight shift. Uh, they do this uh, like once a month or twice a month. Something. Either it's at the Capitol Theater or the Cedar Lee. Uh, they did Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So I went to go see that. I'd never watched the movie before. Have owned it for a couple of years, but have not watched it. Um, my wife loves this film. People love this movie. Um, I was exhausted going into it. Drank coffee. Thought maybe it. So I started falling asleep. I don't blame the movie. But I kind of blame the movie. <laughs> um, it's okay. And to know that the Chiodo brothers made those costumes for next to nothing, that's pretty impressive. Like the clown, the clown suits, like that's that's a compliment. That clown suit, that's a compliment. You always yeah. hear people, it's always a negative when you hear like that guy in that clown suit over there. So the some of the 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 shoestring budget stuff I appreciate. But none of that movie, there's no explanation other than they're clowns from outer space and they fly around in a giant car- like big top tent type of thing. And like they store people on cotton candy and then eventually drink their juices. It's like there's no there's no logic to it, which I mean people would argue it could be a strength. For me, I need a little bit more understanding of like so there's been a planet full of clown aliens and that that's where we got our like circus like i don't know i don't understand the evolution of like this ufo landed once and it killed all these people you know what let's look back on them fondly and go visit this thing every so often that seems like a weird jump to make you know you think people would just be terrified of anything bright colored you know but there's some decent gags in there um there's a clown car gag i liked a couple pies being thrown i liked it just it it felt a little tone deaf at times and maybe just because it was made in the eighties and it, I need to watch it again when I'm wide awake and I need to watch it again with friends because the theater, it was very respectful viewing of killer clowns from outer space. There was not much, the, the crowd was not rowdy. They were there to really watch and enjoy this movie. And I respect that, but come on, it's killer clowns from outer space. You need to be a little, I don't know. A little spirited watching that film and there was nothing like yeah. like like the warriors got a bigger reaction when we were watching it and that movie's fun and goofy at times too but it's a badass film more people were kind of talking at that movie than killer clowns from outer space yeah i think for a midnight movie too you're kind of expecting to have a crowd a that's bit, really yeah. into the movie um which is weird because i i uh, I don't remember if I talked about this when it came out, but I saw A Quiet Place like the Friday that it opened. And uh, like, if there's ever a movie that needs to like keep your attention on the screen and be very respectful of the film, it's that. And I'm not saying that you you know you shouldn't respect every movie that you're seeing, but like there there are experiences where you see something and everybody's already seen it or loves it, and everybody gets into it, and you can kind of feel that vibe yeah. in a theater. Um, and it's not a disrespectful vibe at all. It's the people like really, you know, the ones who can recite the movie and, and love it, um, kind of just all kind of vibing off of each other or the film itself. I, there, there's an art to being an asshole in the theater, but having fun with it. There's an art to being like kind of making some statements here and there. 
And I'm not saying that I'm good at it because I don't know. I mean, everybody thinks they're funny until they get around a crowd of people and realize they're not laughing and you're the only one talking and you're the asshole. Um, so there is a give and take. You're right. Uh, so there's been some experiences I've had where it's been wonderful. There's other ones where this one guy will not shut up because nothing he's saying is funny. Right. And I don't know how to tell that guy, like, I appreciate your input, but you need to go back and workshop some of this. Maybe watch the movie ahead of time and come in with, like, you know, with some bullet points that you want to stress. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know. This movie could have benefited from a little bit of a, a little bit more talky crowd. Like when I went to go to the 12 Hours of Terror a couple of years ago, um, they showed the, what was it? The, the fifth movie was Madman, uh, which I've talked to you about on the, sh- like, I think I mentioned this on the show. It's, we talked about the year of the knockoff. Madman definitely wants to be Friday the 13th, but it's not good. And, <laughs> and I'd never seen it before. And then I remember, I think, um, Oh, what was it? I, I think I think I was there with with Kevin, uh, you know, my co Strange Highways. I think we were there, and they, him and his wife, decided they were just going to leave before that. And he's like, "We're going to go. This movie's ridiculous. Just wait for the hot tub scene." And he left. And like, and I was like, "I don't know what's going on." <laughs> and uh, and he was right. And that movie, people kind of started talking a little bit, and it was a lot of fun. I I, I wish that was the kind of experience I had. Everybody would have with that movie, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it. It's never going to be like archived by whatever they put like the whole like list of important films. It's never going to end up there. It was a quiet theater, and maybe that's why I started just kind of zoning out. And I feel bad, so I I will watch the Secret Origin of Juggalos again at some point, and we'll see how I feel about it. Yeah, and you know it's weird too because I think that like every once in a while there crops up like talk of like oh they're trying to do a sequel or they're doing a TV series or something along those lines and. It's got a cult following to it. It's yeah. it, it's a movie that like a lot of people really, you know, gravitate towards. And I guess I didn't really give my take on it. It's one of those ones as well where I I, I don't dislike the movie, but it, I don't hold it in high regard as <laughs> some people do. So. I mean, in terms of clown cinema, I guess it's pretty great. I don't know. I, I, gotta, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so whatever. Anyway, so that was that was the weekend. So there was some killer clowns. There were some pieces of some God of War. So let's let's get to the news. And it's it's not good news, but I got I gotta press the button. Good news, everyone. So it's not good news. So Ash versus Evil Dead is now have been officially canceled, and not renewed for a season four. So they got three seasons of that. Hooray! Hooray denied! And I know Steve is feeling this much more than myself because you <laughs> specifically, uh, you know, signed up for stars to try to support the show. Yeah. Maybe I'm that jerk, but I I didn't because I knew I didn't have time. Uh, you know, and I and I will when a season three comes to Netflix, I'll watch it. and I'll be like, why? What happened? Why isn't there more? And, I'll, I, and I'm I'm that reason. So I, you know, I'm the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I got stars specifically for Ash versus Evil Dead, and I will- and Spartacus. You just want to go back and watch Spartacus. <laughs> well, my wife really likes Outlander, so like I told her this week, I'm like, we got a week left. You better shotgun the rest of that series. <laughs> um, but uh. Uh, you know, I signed up for it just specifically for Evil, Ash versus Evil Dead in the hopes that, like, you know, it would, like, my $10 was going to be the thing that saved it. But at the same time, um, I wanted to support it, um, and I wish more people would have. And I, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I'm part of the problem because I didn't watch it till it hit Netflix. I even <laughs> bought the DVD, and for whatever reason, I think I covered this on this, this show before, where like I kept trying to get my wife to watch it, and we never got around to it because it was a DVD, and she likes to stream everything. So um, 
So it's her fault, not my fault. Though. No, it's my fault for being lazy and just being like, here, let me put it in the DVD player. But, uh, it will stream from the DVD player. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you logged into your Steeflix account recently? Let's see what's going on over here. Additions to the library. Do you go over to your shelf? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. I like that. Like, what's leaving this month? They're just throwing movies away to the trash. <laughs> oh, Last Jedi's gone. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Oh. Uh, no. Um, but uh, you know, when it comes to um, Ash versus Evil Dead, oh, we are extremely lucky in the sense that uh, you know we got three seasons of a show based on a character that we didn't think we were going to get anything else out of in like. I want to say Ash vs. Evil Dead was, or the, I'm sorry, Army of Darkness was 91. So there's a 25 year gap in there where we didn't think we were getting anything. So each season was like 10 episodes, right? Yeah. So you get what? That's 15 hours of Ash. That's that's more than you got in the original run. Right. You know? So as much as it's sad that it's done, and, and, and Bruce Campbell said he's done with the character, he's not coming back to it, which, I, Bruce. Come on, have you thought about an animated series? Have you th- no, th- th- more video games? Because he's voiced himself in a couple different video games. Uh, well, there, there was a fistful of broomstick, if I remember right, for the Xbox. So yeah, yeah. Well, my wife said that you know she's like, oh, I bet you if they give him enough money, I'm like, yeah. But I'm like, the problem is it's not making money. money that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's hanging it up. Which again, you know, it, also you kind of got to respect that because there are people that do hang on to a legacy well past its time and you could argue that ash was well past its time and then they brought it back and it worked you know so i've not seen season three i know when we talked about season two recap um that there was some troubles behind the scenes with the showrunner and they kind of took a hard turn at the very end of the season so how how has season three felt at least i mean it's it's all we're getting how has it felt so far so i didn't think it was as strong as season two but there's some great stuff in season three um you know, I would say that uh, it's... I heard there's a sequence involving a sperm bank and the song Take On Me. Yeah. Um, and I, I... I don't even know how to describe it, but it's... <laughs> it's... it's It doesn't beat the... Uh, the um the morgue whatever the morgue the scene but it <laughs> it's up there with it good i um, look forward to that and you know what they've shown so far from the for what's going to be the series finale airing this sunday it looks crazy good. so um there's hope, been a lot yeah. of cool stuff and i'm really digging um the girl playing his his daughter um okay and she has in this last episode she had a very similar woodshed and when I say woodshed, I mean an actual woodshed moment um, in in the episode, very similar to nice. Ashes. So, I, yeah, and it, that's I guess that's the the most frustrating thing about this is that we're going to be saying goodbye to Ash, the character, but I feel like the rest of the Ghost Beaters, I've come to like them, and it's almost it would almost be worth my time if you give a minute for the series to rest and then see what they do because I kind of like those characters, you know, so. Maybe maybe down the road, maybe there'll be some other stuff. But ultimately, if I was said to you 10 years ago that we've gotten three seasons of an Ash-based Evil Dead series, you'd have been like, take my money. And, yeah. and then and then stars would be like, yes, but you're not giving enough of it. That's one of those only three seasons. But I just, I, like, like I know our, our friend Rich made the, he basically, when I posted that this was being canceled, he he just kind of summed it up as like, it's not, you know, it's sad that it happened, but like, 
ultimately this should have never happened to begin with. If you look at right. it, like like what's popular and what's making comebacks and revivals, and and it just none of this none of this would have ever added up to be something, but it was. And and I've enjoyed it. And Bruce Campbell is great, and he got to he kind of he got to end it on his own terms, so to speak. I mean, I'm sure that they knew that they were on the bubble. That yeah. they had to like whatever happens here, they probably knew this was probably the end of the road. You know, and I do feel like his announcement of retiring from Ash is just literally so that the next convention he doesn't go to, well, the next like eighty conventions he goes to over the next year or two, isn't people going. So when is Ash going to be back? Like I, yeah. I have a feeling that it, it he just doesn't want to answer that question anymore. So he was like, "Hey, I'm done." Yeah. Um. You know, and I can't begrudge him that. I I honestly can't like. Uh, he he gave us you know a lot of great Ash stuff for a very long time. I would love to have seen it continue, but I can't complain that we got three full seasons. So there's a film. Is it called? They call me no. They, my name is Bruce. Have you seen that? Yes. I if you guys have not seen my name is Bruce, uh, it, I feel like it's almost probably a good bookend to the series, even though it was made before the series, because Bruce Campbell plays a version of himself that is kind of. It's the it's the movie version of Bruce Campbell that he's kind of like a deadbeat asshole type of guy. Yeah. And someone brings him into a town to fight this evil agent spirit because they love the evil dead films. And he's like, oh, it's a gig. This is this is a whole gag. Right. And he comes in and finds out it's real. <laughs> it's like the three amigos, but yeah, with Bruce Campbell. Campbell. And it's it's not the greatest movie, but there's so much about it that I love, especially him running wildly through the woods, shooting randomly. Like. <laughs> I, I love I love that I love that uh, what was it uh, Ted Raimi shows up and yeah. like there's there's a lot of also references just to the to to the life that he's had with the Raimi brothers like yeah. there's and it's it's a really fun movie so it's a bummer but hey we got three seasons and Netflix has the streaming rights so hopefully it's going to stick around for a while if you guys have not given it a chance and clearly a lot of people haven't watch it season two season one was pretty good season one's fun season two there's just so many good moments and i and i can't wait to watch season three so i will say though that i did tweet like immediately after uh it was announced i tweeted to netflix and i was like hey if you guys can bring full house back you right. guys could save ash versus evil, evil dead, dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no kidding so all right so that's sad news so uh, goodbye to the boomstick. It may it may it rest peaceful. I don't know. So next next bit of news. Um, we don't. I don't know. Like looking at trailers is tough because it's like it's a trailer for a film, you know. So, but this is one that people have been kind of waiting for for a while. So Sony put out like a, a, a bigger official trailer for Venom because the first one was more of a teaser, and you could see some of the footage in this trailer with the effects added that they kind of hinted at. And the first one. Yeah, I still don't know why they put out that first trailer. I don't know either, because it didn't do anything. You yeah. Know? Like, so, it just pissed people off, because you're like, where's Venom? <laughs> that, yeah, literally, that yeah. was everybody who watched it was like, that's that's fine, but where's Venom? So if people aren't aware, and I'm, I'm sure people are, but uh, Venom uh, is... So the Spider-Man universe is still owned... The, the cinematic rights are still owned by Sony, and they've worked out a deal to where Sony and Marvel and Disney can play nice to have Spider-Man and the Disney productions, but Sony still has the universe of Spider-Man. So anything that was published under the Spider-Man title, um, Spider-Man, I don't, the Spider-Man titles, uh, Venom is part of that universe. Like you have a lot of villains that are just under that umbrella that you're not going to see in the Disney films, you know? Um, that sounds funny. Like Venom's a Disney princess. No. So, um, so Sony seeing that homecoming did really well 
and not learning their lessons. They're like, oh, no, no, no. There's seven more films coming in the Spider Universe. You guys don't even know. We got a Venom film. We got a Black Cat film coming. We got um, <laughs> Silver Sable and Black Cat. I think that's them together. I think yeah. that's the film. And it's like, we got all this other stuff coming. We're going to do a Prowler film, which would be amazing if they did. Um, it, so they're still trying to have their connected universe. They're trying to have that connected universe like cake and eat it too. You yeah. know? So Venom is going to exist in a film origin wise, completely independent of Spider-Man. And I, I, it could work, but it feels kind of weird. It's kind of like, uh, have you ever made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you didn't have one of the ingredients? No, like I've made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich where I'm in one room with just the peanut butter and I can look across the room and see the jelly and know that they're never going to be together, but they should be. Like, yeah. that's what this feels like. Like, it's kind of what it feels like to me, where I'm just like, it feels like it's missing yeah. something. It's and just, yeah. I don't know if Venom's a strong enough character to carry his own movie. And I know that, you know, the character in the comics has gone back and forth from being a villain to being an anti-hero to being a villain to the suit going on to other people. To being a guardian of the galaxy. Yeah. Like, they had him and Flash Thompson. Like, they purified the suit. They realized, this whole, like, the, the symbiote or symbiote, whatever you want, however they say it in the trailer. I don't know. Um, there's People are bitching about how you pronounce that word. It doesn't matter. It's it's a thing that sticks on the people. They somehow cleanses cleanses of its rage issues. So then Flash Thompson are just going like on space adventures. That's the film I want to see. Is Venom Space Knight? That's that's the film I want to see because <laughs> that's what the comic was, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, but Venom. I guess maybe Venom's more. He's it's more of a horror character, you know. Like, and maybe this film is going to kind of lean into that. Well, I always thought it was interesting. I think it was. Uh David, and I always feel like I say his last name wrong, it's either Michelini or Michelin. I'm never quite sure how to say it. it, was the writer at the time. He was the writer who created Venom. But when he gave the description to Todd McFarlane, Todd McFarlane didn't realize that like a human was actually inside the I didn't suit. know this. <laughs> yeah. So he designed it to be all crazy-like, and they're like, no, there's a dude in there. And he's like, oh... I guess we can make that work. Uh, but where's the 17 feet of tongue that I've drawn on him? Where's right. that going to go? So, um, you know, when it comes to like Venom being, whether it's, you know, a horror story or a, but I don't get a horror vibe from this. I get a like. I, 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 you almost get like a man on the run. Like it's. In a way, it's almost kind of like early, like Hulk, where it's like he, you know, obviously he's smart enough to know that there's something wrong. That like he has a dual nature. Um, now he's on the run from the government. Like there's that kind of vibe. And then, like, so in the trailer, you have the consciousness of the of the symbiote talking to him. And I guess Tom Hardy did the voice of Venom as well, and they just altered the like they they deepened the voice. Oh, really? I, I really believe if you don't get Tony Todd to do the voice of Venom, then you're missing something. I feel like he would have been amazing. Like, I think they should just use the Bane voice from uh, the third <laughs> Batman movie. Like that would explain why like he has a mouth in front of his mouth with a tongue sticking out. You can't, you can't hear any words he's saying. You know, that would be great. Um, but I don't know. This could be cool. Tom Hardy's great. I love Tom Hardy. I think he's a good actor. Um, his his American accent's a little weird. <laughs> it's like I don't know how to like. I think he's trying to do like a New York accent too. But he's in San Francisco. I don't. Oh, know. is he? Like, that, yeah, you saw the oh, Bay Bridge. And, oh, that's true. Yeah, and it, like maybe he's a transplant. I you don't know, know what's funny is that 
every the symbiote's time, a transplant too, if you think about it. But, so maybe the symbiote's affecting his accent. Anytime there's a trailer, it's such a convention now of every trailer to have a shot of just some sort of landscape or, you know, um, we've got to have an exterior shot of where this takes place. Every trailer does anymore where I just kind of block out like what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Like, I don't even pay attention where it's like, you, you were like, oh, it takes place in San Francisco. It's like, I didn't even pay attention. Well, well, did the first couple Iron Man movies take place in California, right? Was yeah. It, was it San Francisco? Yeah. I think it was that area, right? Like, I was really, really hoping to see like some Stark tech in the background. That would have been, <laughs> but you know, you know, somebody couldn't do that. It just, I, I so I don't know. Like the, the, the initial effect of seeing the, the suit go up over his head and then suddenly it has the teeth and the tongue. Like, it's fair that ultimately the venom that we know from the comics, if you translate it to screen, it's going to look inherently weird. So I, you know, that, that's true. Like if you think about the venom that we know, the McFarlane venom, yeah. it's always going to look a little weird, especially with how wide his mouth is and that big tongue and everything. And, and so sure, you know, but I, I don't know. Like this, this is a first trailer. It's a first impression. There are, I, I just, there, there's nothing. There's parts about it that I'm like, that's kind of neat. But there's other parts that that feel like, um, like you know, sirens are going off that this isn't going to be that great. But then again, it's just a trailer. Maybe there's the, maybe they're still processing effects that we don't know, and maybe there's cooler stuff coming. I kind of feel like though it's going to be like 90 minutes of Tom Hardy, and then uh, you know, 10 minutes of him as Venom. <laughs> Like I, just, I, I got that so, feeling. Like, do you, are they? Do you think they're going to do the white spider on the chest? I would hope so. Like, but, it's but kind where of does that come from? You know, like, his, like so. That's the whole thing too. Is that even though it's a weird jump in logic of when Peter Parker thought he was going into the 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 new uh, costume machine during Secret Wars, and turns out he unleashed this, you know, the symbiote that covers his body. But it it gives a, a Spider Man design with the 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 white eyes and the, the the white spider on the chest, and 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 I'm so distraught I'm just hitting the microphone. Um, so where's the origin of this look? I would know? think that like okay maybe Tom Holland's not in the movie, but you could certainly have Eddie Brock have seen Spider Man while he's dressed as the symbiote, or you know once they've combined or or whatever, and decided that it wants to be something similar. I like, hope so. I mean, I hope there's something. Not that I need like I don't know. I don't know how you handle that because like Venom without Spider-Man could be interesting, but establishing Venom without Spider-Man feels odd to me. Like, yeah. But if you would have like th this, this kind of feels DC-ish, where it's like no, 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 no. We'll do the Venom movie first, and then they're going to fight each other. It's like no, like you like the the biggest sin that Sam Raimi Spider-Man three committed, and this was Sony pushing, was to get Venom into that movie. And Venom wasn't. I don't know. I don't think Topher Grace was bad. I think. I think by the time you got to what was going on, it was kind of bad. Uh, but Sony was really telling Raimi that they had to have Venom in this. He just wanted it to be Sandman. Well, yeah, and I mean the truth is, is that I really love the first two Raimi Spider Mans, warts and all, on the first one. I think the second one's actually still a pretty perfect superhero film. But like the third one. Yeah, it suffers from having two villains. It suffers from the, well, three villains actually, because yeah. they're trying to finish up the um, Hobgoblin story as well. Yeah. Um, but the so if, putting if, Sandman if, into Spidey's origin didn't help. No. 
Um, and that would have been a bad decision had he just been the only villain. Um, and then when you throw Venom in there and he just doesn't have time to really become something as a character or a threat, it... You could have... You, not, uh, not to get too much into this, but you could have had Brock as a character introduced. You could have had that rivalry there. You could have maybe even introduced the black suit. And the ending of that movie is the thing dripping down from the bell tower and going on Brock. You know that could have yeah. been that could have been the end of your movie and then been like, oh crap, something we know Venom's coming. That could have been interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't think the Sandman storyline was that bad. Other than it's just like my kid can't breathe. I have to steal all the bank money. That's that was his whole motivation. <laughs> um, and Thomas Hayden Church looked exactly like Kane Marco. It was amazing. He did. Um, and he could have been, like they didn't give him time to breathe. I mean, and his daughter couldn't breathe. Either. Is Kane Marco? Is that is that his name? I think it's Kane Marco. I you thought Kane Marco was the juggernaut. Um. Or am I confusing? Well, I maybe. No, I think you're right. Okay, you are right, Juggernaut. Okay, it's Flint something. Flint, San Flint Marco. Is that it? And it's really not important. Yeah, no, I shouldn't have gotten caught no, no, up no, no, on no, that. No, no. But Flint Marco, Sandman, Kane Marco. Wait, what? Are they brother? Like, wait, wait. No, that doesn't make. Why? Why do they have the same last name? <laughs> anyway. So, you know, Kane Hodder as Sandman. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just feel like there was bits there that could have been handled better. And so, so long story short, you could, you could also tell that Sony's has been so eager to get Venom back out there because they own him outright. They don't have to share him with anybody, you know? So, and if they could have Spider-Man by proxy, you sure as hell they're going to have Spider-Man by proxy, you know? Well, what's funny is, is that, like, one of the things that's unfortunate about the Raimi films that didn't pay off is, is that... In the first two, and I can't remember if he's in the third one or not, but they have um, the lizard. Um, oh, not Kirk the actual, they had Kirk Connors. Yeah, they as have the Kirk professor. Connors at the, as the professor. They're kind of seeding him in there for later on, and they didn't. And that's the same idea that you had with Venom, where it's like they could have seeded him throughout yeah. the first two movies or whatever. And supposedly they were hinting that Bruce Campbell's character was uh, was actually supposed to be Mysterio. Oh yeah, at, uh, at the very like, they, but they were going to pull the gag where they show him just being arrested and kind of like hinting <laughs> that he was screwed with Peter Parker this entire time. That would have been a stroke of genius. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just they need to show me more to make me believe that this movie is going to be worth it. It it may not be a bad movie. It just Venom is a shallow character initially. The conflict of him being the anti-hero, that came later, you're right. Like the lethal protector, that yeah. came later. Um yeah, it just and and so the whole relationship between um the symbiote and Brock, you know, eventually became, you know, like they kind of reached an understanding. And you get the idea that in this in this trailer where he's like, "Okay, we're only going to attack bad guys." It's like you literally just said that in the trailer? Like Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, you know, this is the one thing that I don't understand is is that you have Spider-Man, so I'm assuming that means that they have the Miles Morales Spider-Man as well. They do, but there's the Enter the Spider-Verse film that's coming out in December, the animated one. Yeah, that's fine and all, but like, I don't understand. Why would you do, like, just do Spider-Man, call one Spider-Man, call the other one Ultimate Spider-Man. Like... You get two Spider-Man movies. I, I, a live-action Miles Morales Spider-Man movie would be great. But uh, this also, this Enter the Spider-Verse film looks like it's going to be pretty good, too. Yeah, it does look yeah. good. I'm just saying, like, if yeah. I'm looking at, like, oh, so we have two different Spider-Mans that we can make movies on? 
you know, hey, even like, if if want if you really want to do like just, though she's still new, bring out Spider Gwen or something. Like you could do somebody that's more of a hero. That you know, Spider Spider Gwen would go over gangbusters if they did it right. People would be yeah. so excited for it. But Venom Venom is like Venom is that '90s bad boy. Like that's always like that. You know, I don't something. He just feels so '90s and like early 2000s that it's like that's Venom, and he's always been like that hulking like like tongue slobbering just bad guy he's a striking visual yeah and he's a good dark mirror of spider-man and then it took people later uh to add more to him you know and it's kind of it's kind of like the deadpool thing like oh that's an interesting character let somebody else handle the writing you know so i just i don't know we'll see how this goes it just this this, this trailer doesn't and still a lot of faith in me it just it's a lot of parkour uh, not parkour, but like a lot of extreme sports with uh, tentacles grabbing things, you know, <laughs> That's what it, you know like whatever. So, and not to go too much down this rabbit hole, there was a video game out there called The Darkness that dealt with uh, this guy who was a mobster's son that he actually uh, found out he was cursed with this, with this ability that when there's no light, he can kind of send out like these spectral tentacles to go kind of do killing for him. So it became this whole thing like this too where the tentacles could kind of operate on their own and and do things and he could also command them but there's times where they wouldn't listen to him because he was feeding the darkness and some of this kind of feels like this too where it's like i didn't know i could do that it's like yeah you know so i don't know anyway venom trailer you guys can watch it and you can judge it we've talked more about a two minute 43 second trailer than probably was needed so Whatever. Let's talk about pieces again. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, I, knew, I know news is going to go along. But so here, here's news. And I'm going to hide this from Steve so he can't see. So uh, tomorrow, we're recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow is 426. So it's Alien Day because of LV426. And so like past couple of years, Fox has always put out something for Alien Day that's important. So Steve and I decided that we're going to make predictions about what Alien Day, what Fox is going to do for Alien Day. So you guys could tell us if we're right, but because I swear I got good intel on all these. These are all going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, so help me. So I don't know. Did you want to st- – you got a number of them. Wow. I, I've I, got four of them. Oh, okay, I got so. five. Oh, so the other part's – okay, I got Yeah, you. the other okay. part's part of the game. So, so. okay, so I'll do, I'll do one, and then you said you got four, right? So, all right. Um, let's see here. Okay, this is the dumbest one. That I, I'm sorry. No, the most realistic one. Uh, there's going to be a new movie put out from the Xenomorphs point of view called Human. Nice. That's going to be like, you guys heard it here first. Because this is going to be like, what's with all these soft edible things? I don't know. They're screaming a lot. <laughs> Man, they're making me run. Like, you know, <laughs> they like fire. I don't like fire. Just uh, trying to hang out on this yeah. ship and go places. <laughs> yeah. and- these, these humans. So, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the sequel is humans. So uh, I believe there's going to be a sponsorship um, of uh, uh, epic proportions when John Deere releases its own power loader. Um, it'll come in the typical green and yellow. I would buy it in a heartbeat. I don't care. If <laughs> I don't care who's producing it. If it's John Deere Caterpillar, I don't care. Give me a power loader now. I would buy it. And it'll, so it'll only cost $40,000. Don't care. Uh, installments. That's <laughs> so, all right. So um, Hardee's. Uh, is going to team up with uh, Fox to put out uh, an alien-related uh, sandwich because uh, you know we was recently there's that Ready Player One with Carl was it Carl's Jr. or whatever they did the whole Spielbergers joke that they did. Uh, so Hardee's is like we got to get in this game, so they're going to release a, a sandwich, a hamburger called the Chest Burster. So on four twenty six, <laughs> you just go in and ask for the Chest Burster, but the secret is that's any Hardee sandwich on the menu. 
<laughs> that sounds about right. Oh man, that's good. I also have a food item. Um, <laughs> Cadbury is going to be releasing Xenomorph eggs. So uh, I, I would eat it. I don't care what happens. Like, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Um, yeah, that sounds delicious. Like the the mallow was it nougat uh, face hugger. I don't care. It'd be great. Um, you bite through the face hugger, your just face falls off. That's all. It's because of the acid blood. But yeah. hey, there's going to be chocolate to begin with, so <laughs> that's going to lead to my death. So uh, Colonial Williamsburg will become Colonial Marines Williamsburg. Is what nice. they're going to do. Uh, because it's hard times because kids don't care about history anymore, so you got to tie it into something. So all the actors playing British soldiers will carry pulse rifles, and the townspeople will just teach you how to turn butter, but while you're on the run from a xenomorph. So if you need to make butter, but you're in a hurry, they're going to teach you how to do it. Nice. I like that. I don't even know how to make butter the slow way. Right. So <laughs> if you can like speed that process up. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. <laughs> I'm going to guess it is going to speed the process up because you're going to be a road for your life from a xenomorph. Yeah. So similar to Reebok releasing the shoes that uh, Sigourney Weaver wore in Aliens, uh, Dickies is going to be releasing a coverall of the Bishop edition. So it's the uh, same style coveralls that Bishop wore in Aliens. And then you get to spit milk all over the place, and it's going to be amazing. You know? Yep. And get sick because you were uh, on a hot set with hot lights and drinking milk. And get, you can get like a bacterial <laughs> infection. It'd be amazing. All right, so milk was a poor choice. <laughs> it was a poor choice. Um, so and a, a crazy move. So because uh, Canon Films is no longer around, so Golden Globus as a production company, no one you know, no one cares about them. Fox has picked up the rights from Alien from L.A. And they will now consider it as part of their Alien slash Prometheus universe. <laughs> and um, so that Kathy Ireland film is going to be part of the Alien universe. Um, and it's going to come out with a brand new VHS release. Nice. Yeah. I'd buy that. <laughs> uh, so this last one here, uh, Fox, since it no longer has Star Wars, really wants to put out you know one last special edition. So we're going to get the Alien special edition where uh, Ridley Scott is going to insert David Michael Fassbender into shots of Alien for no reason at all. And the Alien will now blink. Yeah, and then they're actually going to remove the alien. It's just going to be uh, Fastbender. The whole movie's going to be nothing but Fastbenders. <laughs> yeah, 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 anyway. Alien so, special edition. Yeah, Hugh, man. Uh, so, all right, the last one I have here is the ASPCA is actually going to get in on this because they realize it's a good thing because people are all about the alien, so why not get excited about pets? All cats that they have for ad adopting right now that are orange are going to be just called Jonesy. They're going to change them all <laughs> to the name Jonesy. So... You guys just go down to the pet store and ask him uh, for a Jonesy. Ask for a Jonesy, which sounds like a hand job, but <laughs> <laughs> from, a guy, from a guy named Jones. Like, just like, yeah, hey, I just, I just, I could go for a Jonesy right now. Well, that's behind the pet store, sir. No, no, no. I want an orange cat. Oh, oh. I think I may have gone a little too blue for the show. <laughs> Sorry. You want a little orange? It was fine. <laughs> all right. So you guys, you heard it here first. That's all going to happen tomorrow on Alien Day. So, all right. Enough about that. Let's just start talking about some uh, Infinity Gauntlet. And now for our feature presentation. 45 minutes later, I apologize in advance. We uh, talked a lot, but that was great. So I appreciate it. I feel like I'm bringing more horror to the show, too. So I apologize <laughs> for you. Or like, when did this become a horror podcast? I, I will try and not uh, talk about every weekend watching horror movies, but it's just I, I what I do. About, I talked about a, the dude that just, that killed his wife and child and is trying to atone for it by going now and killing other gods. That's you know? true. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's just funny. Like, like the God of War world, he's in like you know in Viking land in Midgard, and he just kind of purposely doesn't want to learn about anything. It's like <laughs> it's like it might make me mad. I might have to kill it. It's like that's you're right, Kratos. Don't learn how to read over here. Um, well, so. very similar uh, to the topic that we're going to talk about. I did find it interesting that like they mentioned Thor very briefly, but it also sounds like Thor might be kind of a dick in the God of War uh, series. Yeah, so. I'm going to guess that I want to fight him eventually. It's not going to go well. Um, but also, too, real quick, so you send your kid out to read all the different runic like writings, and as he reads them, they kind of evaporate in the air into like, a dust. So it looks like he's just reading graffiti that goes away. <laughs> At- Atreus, if you're listening right now, I have a lot of graffiti in Cleveland that needs reading. So <laughs> I kind of want to believe you just go up and kind of be like, oh, well, this stands for, this is Bill's Corner. No one should mess with Bill. And then you see the graffiti just fade away. That's really what I want <laughs> that to happen. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. So Infinity Gauntlet. So couple days from now, Infinity War's coming out, the film that's going to end all films. It's like, what, 18 Marvel films in the making? Something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's about it. It's the Justice League of Marvel movies. <laughs> it, it, it should be. It, <laughs> it, 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 this should be what... <laughs> Justice League, I'm sorry, but this like people are really excited for this, and rightfully so, but Justice League should have been there, being this film, right? There and should it, have been seven other movies before Justice yeah. League, yeah. Um, so, and I come to think I've seen every Marvel movie in the theater. So this will be like the 18th or 19th one I've seen in the theater of there. So, oh my God, I'm trying to think, have I not seen one in the theater? I think I've seen all of them as well. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know why not. Like, I think I've seen them all. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I've seen them all, but I'm pretty sure I've seen them all in the theater. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we decided we're going to take a look back at the original infinity gauntlet, um, series, the event series it was 91. That's the one thing I didn't I believe it was down. 1991. Yeah. So it was a six-issue series put out by Marvel, um, and, I, and I bought the collected trades so Steve and I could refresh our memory. Because I remember when this came out, it was a big deal. And I figured it would be interesting to look back at that uh, because with Infinity War, and you have Thanos with his gauntlet and not his Infinity boot that we uh, talked about earlier, um, it, clearly we wouldn't be there without Infinity Gauntlet. Right. And... So I thought it'd be cool to go back and read this. I remember it was a big deal. I remember buying issues at the time. The artwork on the covers is awesome still. Um, and I don't know how I feel about the story after reading it. Maybe do we have to provide some background on it? I don't know where we, how we want to discuss this. Um, it feels like it was a grand enough idea that got lodged in people's heads that whenever finally they came around to being like, hey, we can make some movies that lead towards this that they knew that they could do better than the original six issue run. Cause I don't, I don't think it's aged terribly well. I guess that's my for for statement is that I don't think this is aged very well. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we started the show, but um, Thanos before the infinity gauntlet wasn't the big baddie that he was. I mean, he was a villain um, yeah. and had been created by Jim Starlin, I believe in the seventies. Yeah. First but, appearance, Iron Man 55, 73. Yeah, and I've always thought of him as the the counterpart to like a dark side in the DC universe, one of those big bads. But the truth of the matter is, before Infinity Gauntlet, he really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to actually like crafting the story, and we'll get into this a little bit further when we talk a little bit more about the story in general, um, it really isn't... So it is and it isn't a a universe-spanning book in the sense that it brings in different characters and, like, it doesn't feel like an Avengers versus Thanos story because the main characters typically are, are actually really 
Silver Surfer, Adam Warlock, and Thanos, and and to some degree Nebula, who if you've seen the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you probably have a little bit of an idea who she is. But really, like, if you were expecting to read this story before the movie and be like, I want to see what Captain America was like in 91 taking on Thanos, you're not going to get a lot of that. <laughs> it, it's a lot of Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer. And Doctor Strange actually plays a, a larger role in it. But yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, the, okay. So, Thanos. Um, you mentioned like you thought he'd be bigger. Uh, so two things. Physically, when he was originally drawn, he was much thinner. So they, they decided. One of someone mentioned to Starling like we should beef him up. So it's like so over time he got he got bigger and bigger. Um, and then talking about Dark Side, uh, because uh, Starling was influenced by the New Gods from Jack Kirby and thought that was great. And someone just said, "Hey, if you're going to steal one of the new gods, at least rip off Darkseid, the really good one." Is how they they said it. That's and, fair. And Starling never he never wanted he was he was impressed with the new gods and liked Darkseid, but his goal was never to completely copy Darkseid. Yeah. Um, and you could speak more to Darkseid's character because I don't really know much about him. Uh, so yeah, I just I don't know. I just thought growing up Thanos, like growing up reading some of this stuff, I always thought Thanos was more cosmic, which is correct, but more of a bane of the Silver Surfer, more of a bane of the universe at large. Kind of the same way Doctor Doom was always looming, being like either he could do like the small time thing and have a fight, but he's always building towards that big power grab to take over control of everything. And I always thought Thanos was always in that kind of position of always being like that guy that's like, we stopped him for now, but we know he's coming back with something. Yeah, I always felt like he was the one that you didn't just have like pop up in an issue of Spider-Man. I felt like he was the one that you saved for either your crossover events or a storyline where he's got to take on half the Marvel universe. Like you, you, you wouldn't typically like be like, Hey, dark sides popping up in an issue of blue beetle this week. Like you didn't see a lot of that. And I would say that that's the same thing for, for Thanos. I always thought of him as being regulated for big events or certainly having to take on more than just a character in any sort of given story. Um, so when he showed up, it had impact and meant that like, things are going to go down and and there's going to be ramifications i like the inverse of that where you have like a small time marvel villain that ends up like (laughs) being like the guy that everybody's to deal with like "Uh uh-oh it's the marvel universe versus the big wheel like i would love (laughs) stilt man versus the marvel universe like i like that idea Um, but yeah i just i guess like maybe just because because of infinity gauntlet and then i also after reading this i realized that my memories of the infinity crossover events was more infinity war than it was infinity gauntlet yeah because infinity war i think had the doppelgangers that showed up that were all challenging all the heroes and so you had the doppelganger fights and some would win some wouldn't um because the whole crux of this first one is thanos is trying to court death which they even say that um at the end of the first avengers film where they said to challenge the avengers is the court death itself and thanos is thanos thanos uh, he smiles at the camera, and yeah. it's like, and everyone that knows comics lost their goddamn mind at the end of that first movie, because he's trying to court death. Death is a a physical representation of death. It's a very it's a very Neil Gaiman type of thing. Not the same death as the Sandman, but it's like right. you have a physical embodiment of death. So he's trying to win favor because he's in love with death. He's in love with nihilism. He's he's an emo. Like he. Thanos would shop at Hot Topic, you know, younger Thanos. <laughs> with no one, his mom doesn't understand him, and he's just going to listen to music he wants to listen to. He listened to a lot of Marilyn Manson in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, 
right? He's like, I'm one of the beautiful people. Um, and actually, reading through his origin, his mom berated him because he was born different than the rest of them. Like he looked different, yeah, because of his latent genetics or whatever. He turned, he looked like a California raisin that went to the gym, and she's like, I don't like that, you know, um, <laughs> with the swole neck, you know. Uh, so he went out of his way to try to find a way to impress death. So he collects the infinity gems, and his whole goal is to um, eliminate half of uh, the living existence. Now, I'm just going to stop you for just a second here. Everything that you just described is true, but it all t- takes place before Infinity Gauntlet starts, too. That's, you're absolutely right. But, you know, so, which yeah. I think is funny that, like, his quest to get the, the stones, uh, him wanting to court death, all that stuff, he, when Infinity Gauntlet starts, that's all happened. Yeah, he has the gauntlet, and he uh, basically Mephisto is just trying to show him like a dream board of what he like a vision board of what he can do. Yeah, which we just mentioned Mephisto. You, that's someone that's not been in the movies. I don't know where he falls in terms of like the ownership. Yeah, I, 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 I always thought of him as a Spider-Man character for some reason, but I, I, I don't always know thought of him as a Ghost Rider character. You know, okay. like because. He he was always kind of screwing with Ghost Rider and um, was it Zarthos, Zarathos, whatever the name of the Spirit of Vengeance is. I always thought that was more of the Netherworld type of thing. But Mephisto, basically, he's the devil. He's he's kind of like the shitty devil of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. But he kind of has the ear of Thanos, and so he's basically telling him, "Hey, you got all these Infinity Gems. You have the Gauntlet. You're a god." And that's the way the issue. That's the way the series starts off. Was like Thanos actually? He's at his point of victory. Yeah. And the whole thing kind of starts with him just mulling over what he wants to do. It's like you control reality. Like, why do I need to go through? Like, you know, I could get rid of half the universe with the click of my fingers. I could order the largest Sunday in all of the known universe and eat it, and not even be able to finish it because I am Thanos. The Infinity Sunday. <laughs> the, the Infinity, yeah. The Infinity Parfait. That's that's what I need. <laughs> you know, like he just talks about all the things he can do, and so there's this lead up to where. Like, he is going to eliminate half of known existence with the snap of his fingers. Yeah. Which they hinted that in the trailer of the film. And and basically, Mephisto's just trying to be his good graces because Mephisto knows that all Thanos has to do is unthink him. Yeah. And that's interesting, but it's just a lot of just standing around and talking. I feel like there's just so much, like, I could do this that happens in the first, like, three or four issues of the book. Well, that and the fact that uh, he does snap his fingers and half the universe goes is pretty anticlimactic because it then cuts to like spider-man just being in new york and being like half of the population disappeared and then i think it cuts to like avengers mansion and like captain america's like half the team is gone and i i feel like there's a couple of iterations with that with different characters where they're like and it's always half like they all seem to know that it's half that was my point was like (laughs) i I was reading this and i'm like like they're like shields reporting that half of their forces are gone it's like that's very like exact. Like, like okay, Thanos getting ranked half of like existence. Like that that makes sense in terms of like his plan, right? Right. But does it have to go like fifty percent down the middle with everything? <laughs> like like what if like, like it'd, it'd be like I don't know like what if there was just two guys working hot dog cart? Like does one of them disappear? Or, but it's like but what if that guy's also a volunteer firefighter? Does that factor into half the firefighters disappearing? Like I don't know. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. It was just really. It was very exact. Like I was cracking up. It's like, oh, half of the New York Mets are gone. It's like well, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Two men in a truck moving company is just one, one guy and, and a half truck. A truck. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it, it was. Just, that was a little weird. 
Um, seeing the ramifications on Earth was kind of interesting just because it's like, you know, what do you do when like half the people around you are gone? Like it's like a rapture style event, right? But I love the fact too that like particularly with Peter, who is Spider-Man, his whole thing is like he's talking about it for a good two pages and then like the last panel someone going, oh my God, Mary Jane. Like yeah. he forgot about yeah, his, his girlfriend, longtime girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like shit, you know, like, you know, whatever. Um, that, that was... Yeah, it was just, it was a little weird. And then later on when Thanos is actually challenging like every, every higher power in the known Marvel universe that somehow ends up causing Earth to get knocked off its axis and to start drifting away and starting to get colder and colder. Like that's handled very quickly where it's like, well, shit's cold now. Like, well, I don't know what's (laughs) going on. It's like Game of Thrones, like, well, winter's here. It's like, I don't understand what's going on. But so there's this whole other thing, too, where Adam Warlock, which I've never, ever gotten my finger on that character. I don't understand what he is like other than he sees a higher purpose. He sees a greater good in the sense of the order of the universe, not necessarily good as in I'm going to do right by people. It's more like I have to keep this shit together. So I'm going to make hard decisions. I just never understood that character. Yeah, I, and I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of with you on that. Um, <laughs> He's cool looking, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it's it nice kinda, hair. <laughs> to go into the, the the movies a little bit, like it's sort of my experience with Guardians of the Galaxy pre movie was, you know, I heard they were making the movie out of it, and I'm like, great, I think I have a comic with. <laughs> The Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, in you it. think ah, like you're referring to Wayne's World. Where it's like I don't have a gun rack, let alone guns. And I'm sorry, I don't own a gun, let alone mini guns. To the same use of a gun rack. But I didn't have a handle on really any of those characters. And actually, I'd forgotten that Nebula was even in Infinity Gauntlet until I reread it. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Adam Warlock, he's a character that I feel like I don't really have a grasp on either. He feels like he belongs firmly in the seventies and that's it. And the the funny thing about that though, is that James Gunn has said that at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two, when you see the cocoon from the one head of the sovereign, which they were all gold skinned, beautiful people. I didn't know why I didn't see that coming. It's implied that, and he's basically said Adam Warlock's coming in the third Guardians film. This is after the events of Infinity War. So I wonder how he, his take on that character. He's supposed to be like the perfect specimen. I never got that from the comics. I got he was kind of like he was a mortal, a, a mortal, but not so he, but he was aware of the bigger game always going on. I don't know. Like he, he but he also had his own angle too, you know, like and. It's compelling, but it's just confusing. I feel like both Marvel and DC have those types of characters where, for instance, um, like I always think of uh, Metron from uh, the DC universe who goes around in his Mobius chair. And like he's kind of the same way where like he seems to have a bunch of knowledge that other people don't. And he's there to you're never quite sure like what his end game is um, and why does he know things that everybody else doesn't and why hasn't he like kind of put a kibosh on some of the things that have already happened. Um, whereas, you know, with, with Adam Warlock, I kind of get that same vibe where I'm like, okay, why does he know this? Or why does he, why is he the only one who seems to be able to like stand up to Thanos in any sort of significant way? Yeah. Um, Particularly when you have the Silver Surfer, who's ridiculously strong, um, powerful. He has the powers cosmic. Yeah, you know, like he just he uh, and he can surf through space. I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, there's even a point later in the story, like after the Marvel universe or the Marvel characters, most of them have been taken out. 
where like the heavy hitters come in, like the Watcher and the Living Tribunal and um, Galactus, and I feel like I'm missing like there's three so or four many. more. There, yeah. there, like you get the Eternals, like, I think the, the Eternal. You got like what was it, Mistress? Like you got like Love and Hate, like whatever they're called, and then oh, what else was there? There was like it was every single big out there concept was there to fight Thanos. Like the galaxy itself was there, and he's like, bring it. And he starts being the shit out of all of them. But it's not even like a fun fight. It's just he's holding up the gauntlet being like, I forgot I have this. The thing on your hand the entire time. He's like, yeah. why am I fighting? You're all gone. Like it was like, it was setting up these stakes of showing like how he has ascended and can control everything. But Adam Warlock always is like, well, his one fatal flaw is that he doesn't feel that he's deserving of this. Yeah. And it, it makes sense thematically, but it's like, I don't know if I had a gauntlet that could control all of reality. Pretty sure I could probably fix that about myself and move on. Like, oh, I don't deserve this. I have it on my hand. Yep, I, I deserve this. You know, like, I don't know. It just, it was a lot of like almost Shakespearean posturing, like posturing in this, this whole thing of like what I can do and what, and what is, and then the greater like con, you know, conversation around it. It just wasn't that compelling of a read. Right. Like, and for, you know, for somebody who's trying to court uh, death, and I don't mean just death in general, I'm talking about like the, the female embodiment of death in the, the story, um, they don't do a whole lot with her character either. No, she just kind of just is like, just stares at him and like, like no. Nah. Yeah. Like he, he, swipe, swipe left or swipe, whatever it is. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You, know? <laughs> you never get a feeling of like, why is it that he's so captivated with her? And then at one point he gets pissed and he's just like, fine, I don't want you anyway. I'll make, I'll make Lady Thanos. I'll, yeah. It, which is really weird. That'd be like, if I was like, I'm going to make the perfect woman for me. And it's just me, but with long hair. Yeah. And then at one point, whenever like all, all hell goes lo- like, breaks loose, he's just like, I forgot to give her the ability to breathe in deep space. It's like, oh, that's a convenient way just to kill her. But then you feel bad, like, oh, I forgot to let her breathe. It was a weird thing. Oh, I wanted, I wanted to save my plant, but I forgot to water and feed it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, the idea of someone who is constantly searching for power and his his ultimate goal of searching for power, even though he even admits to death, like my my reasoning for grabbing the gems, I, he's like, I wasn't being completely honest with you. Because she want, you know, she was looking for an offering or something to prove his worth. I, I forget the exact nature of it, but he basically was like, "If I get these infinity gems, then I can do what you want." He was still also he had an ulterior motive of like, once I have this, then I'm going to be her equal, you yeah. know, or or even more so. And that is interesting of itself, but a lot of it's just him out in the middle of space with this whole big, um, like structure built to death. Like her her vis- her visage there, you know, and then when the heroes are brought together, which Adam Warlock, I will give the series credit, like this the whole run where he's like, I gotta gather all of what's remaining of Earth's mightiest heroes, just so they can keep those occupied. Like he had yeah. he had no no intent of them ever making it out alive. Like I, like there's a weird kind. I kind of appreciate that where he's like, you guys could fight the good fight. No no no, Surfer and I are going to be back probably a couple couple hundred light years away and we're just going to stare in the distance until things turn bad and we're waiting for the one moment when i have the silver surfer swoop in and try to grab his gauntlet and then and he misses yeah. by like a half inch but you know i will say too that like i find it interesting the characters that they do play with and i i, I know that uh, there was 
sort of a a newness to the 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 event story at this point whereas now it's everybody and their mother who's in an event story yeah uh i know that they only let a few of the x-men into the storyline of course wolverine being one of them because you can't have anything without wolverine and the other one being cyclops but what i thought was interesting is is that there's a page it's literally just a page where it's like captain america being like here's the heroes that we think are dead and it's like um and this is from the snap of the finger it's like daredevil Black Panther, Reed Richards, Sue Richards, Johnny Storm. Um, I f- I thought it was Moon Knight in there, but I yeah, think he pops up no, later no, in the Knight story. Is, he's in the story, right? Um, For like a page, and you never hear from him again. Yeah, but it's like it's like just literally like a page of, of drawings of, of different characters that are like we think they're dead. I don't know. Maybe they're on vacation. Yeah, but. Um, then there does come a, 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 and this is a highlight for the story in, in my opinion is there does come a sequence where he decides to you know when they are fighting Thanos um, there's a great moment where like he's kind of just it's not that he's toying with him but well, like Mephisto convinces him that to, to, to honor death to show you competing on this grand stage yeah so he purposely powers down his omnipresence so you can't know what's coming next so he he does fight with one hand fight behind his back barely yeah so um but like there's some some cool moments um you know one of them is uh cyclops he just takes out by putting literally like a box on his head like it's a clear a clear box that he can't breathe in and his i-beam can't escape so that's it you're done and then nova (laughs) he turns into legos pretty much as he takes a swing at him he turns was it thor to glass yeah he turns thor to glass who uh, and you mentioned this to me before i i dove into the story again like it's thor but it's not really thor um it turns yeah. out that it's eric masterson who is later becomes thunderstrike and i'm not that familiar with thunderstrike but from what i read online he at that time it's liam hemsworth <laughs> it's not chris hemsworth it's he was, liam hemsworth he was thor but he would turn into eric masterson um when he was a human and Thor was kind of locked in the back of his subconscious. I, I, there was this, there was weird. So maybe part of it, this too, is that this feels like this book was released in 91. It feels like an eighties comic book with the way the motivations were explained in the panels or way that like at one point, whenever Thor throws his hammer, but then the hammer gets sent to like another reality or something. You, the, the thought process of Thor's mind is, Oh no, I can't be separated from the hammer for more than 60 seconds or I will become a human. Like it was very (laughs) like, it was like, who has that thought process? It's more like, crap, I got to get that back. I don't have to explain to myself my own peril. You know, it was a really, I get that it's a comic book, but it was weird. Well, at one point he's in space and he's like, was it Dr. Strange? I don't remember who it was. Gave him the ability to breathe in. But yeah. he like turns back into his human form. He's like, "Oh crap, that doesn't work for me when I'm my human form." <laughs> yeah, like I like that they gave him a spell for everybody to breathe the space for one hour. Like, yeah, like if if magic is just magic, can't that just be like, "All right, you can breathe in space now." I didn't know that there was a timer like to things. <laughs> like you're buffed for sixty minutes. After that, good luck, guys. Guess it's only going to take you an hour to deal with the guy who has the ability to control all of reality, space, and time. Good luck with that. Like it was. It was a weird, it was a weird setup. I mean, my memories of this event are much bigger than they actually were. But again, I think it was the later events. Um, reading about this, so the one of the nice things I liked about this was that it was six issues, but there were forty-five page issues. So 
it actually they had room to tell a story, whether or not the story was great, but it, it had more than just your typical twenty three or twenty four pages. So it was double sized. So that was good. So basically, you got a whole whole twelve issues to tell the story. I like that. Going back and realizing that at the time, reading about this, that Marvel had changed ownership, and they were all about uh, pushing like to to expand their brand and like just basically be like, if it's a known thing, make more of it. And so, Infinity Gauntlet was supposed to be kind of a big deal, but it wasn't supposed to be the biggest deal. You know, right. and it kind of started catching like the attention of the people. It's like go go go. And so, their goal was to tell people like we need we need tie in issues, and basically. At this time, which is not what happens now where you mentioned like everybody and their brothers involved, um, they just looked at like underperforming books and said, we're going to give this an Infinity Gauntlet tie-in. And the, the story in the book, um, they let the writers pick what elements of the story they wanted to kind of interact with with their character. And so, but what was it? Um, where was the quote here? There was a line. Um, uh, Starling remained hands-off. Um, sorry, Infinity Gauntlet only had tie-ins from titles that were obviously connected to the event or from series which needed a boost in sales. According to Perez, uh, the the artist, uh, Marvel's stance towards tie-ins for its low-selling titles were do it or else. Starling remained hands-off when the tie-ins were plotted. Uh, he um, he let interested writers... Uh, where did, shoot, I'm losing my notes here. He let uh, interested writers look at his plan um, for what was going to happen and choose for themselves which elements they wanted uh, to use, uh, he felt this was the best way to do it since he was not familiar with the big stable of all the heroes. And here's here's the quote that just hurts me. And yeah, uh, it had never even heard of Sleepwalker before. That, <laughs> that just hurts me. So, books that got tie-ins was Cloak and Dagger, Doctor Strange, The Incredible Hulk, Quasar, which. I don't remember a Quasar book. I, I guess it was. You there, don't. I, I don't know. I George, just... uh, not George. I'm sorry. Greg Capullo, who is the, like the big Batman oh, guy now. Okay. He was also on Spawn for a very well, long this time. This was like that was the... like his first thing. So oh. that, that's just why I remember him. This but... was during the Peter David days of Incredible Hulk. So yeah. I don't know why that book was suffering in sales. But uh, Silver Surfer and Sleepwalker, which you know, R.I.P. Sleepwalker. But it just occurred. I just didn't realize there was only seven other books around the series. Yeah, that seems way smaller. I know you kind of looked into event series. And this would get much larger later. Clearly, this wasn't the bump that Sleepwalker needed to keep on in people's minds. Well, you know, it is refreshing to think, uh, you know, versus now where, uh, hey, we've got an eight-part series coming out and 105 tie-in issues. You know, like, it it was, you know, much smaller in scope at that time. But one of the things that you brought up was the quote by George Perez. And I kind of wanted to dig into this a little bit just to get your take on it. Um, I, being an artist myself, I tend to gravitate towards different artists. And that's the thing that I immediately... So I, I wouldn't say that I won't buy a book if I'm not immediately grabbed by the art, but like for me, it's, a factor. it's one of the things that drives me to pick up something. If I pick it up and I'm like, oh, I really like this artwork, but I'm not sure what the story is, it's probably a thing that's going to get me to buy the book rather than like, I've heard it's a good story, but I'm iffy on the artwork. Um, when it comes to the look of the book, you have two pencilers on this book, George Perez and Ron Lim. And I don't know how... You know how much because I don't think we've really ever talked about artists on the show. I don't know, you know, how much you know about either of those artists. But Ron Lim was the artist on Silver Surfer at the time, um, and George Perez was coming off of his work at Teen on, at DC for Teen Titans. Yeah, and that was a juggernaut of a book for a very long time. 
Um, I will say that looking at the two books or the the two sections of the book, because I think it's like the first four that are probably done by Perez. Yeah, you're right. And the last two, I think, that are done by Ron Lim. Um, and this is not a slight to Ron Lim because I think he's a great artist, but like it's a jarring transition in some ways because Perez um, is very much a very detailed uh, oriented artist. Um, and Ron Lim was very much more of a 90s style artist where he was more focused on, I don't want to say line weights and things like that, because that's certainly a part of uh, Perez's work as well. But Perez had a very illustrative style, whereas Ron Lim was very much of a current artist at that time's type of style. Okay. Um, and I don't know that the two work together as well as it could have. Um, and I wanted to just kind of get your feeling for like what you thought of the artwork overall. I, I just think Perez, and maybe this is heresy, but it didn't feel like anything. Like I mean, it was definitely it was okay, but I didn't feel that there was a distinct style with his work. It was like there were so many characters involved and what was going on that it just it told the story and you got everybody in frame. But like his Incredible Hulk didn't look like convincing at all to me. Um, and I, 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 maybe it's because he transitioned from DC into Marvel that he just didn't have like the, the muscle memory of drawing the characters he likes and developed the style. It just felt very um, generic to me. And I, and I have to go back and look at the last two issues because until I read this, because I burned through it so fast, I didn't realize that there was a different... Oh, creative. Okay. I didn't realize there was a different artist. I'm not saying that it was. I just because I read this like in pieces, so maybe I just didn't think about what was coming next. Um, there was a bit. Was it one of the last issues where you had? It was a single panel of Silver Surfer, uh, Warlock, and was it Doctor? No, it wasn't Doctor Strange. It was um, Thanos. They're they're, they're facing off against uh, uh, Nebula because she had gotten the gauntlet, which we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. But that was a nice, like, big, clean page, and I think that might have been the second guy. I didn't mind that. The thought bubbles were throwing me off whenever the three of them shows up, and she says something about two, and the Silver Surfer's like, what's she only talking about two for? It's like, we don't need that thought bubble. It's fine, Silver Surfer. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I have to go back and flip the book. I know we have it here somewhere, but I just there's nothing about... Maybe, maybe I'm spoiled that I feel like now they want artists to exhibit character like their style character, and this is and this was before the big rush of you know the artists that were selling books because of their name over top of the writer. This I think this is before Liefeld really broke out. This is before Keon was working on Incredible Hulk. So I mean, clearly he was all about muscles on muscles on muscles, um, and I think this was also roughly before. Um, McFarlane had his big round Spider-Man. No, it'd be it'd be the same time. It would be around the same time almost because I think Image formed at the end of '91. So okay. like this is this is that prime time. Well, so. well, if that's the case, then McFarlane I feel was like streets ahead of like of Perez. I feel like I mean I don't know. I just I wasn't the biggest fan of the artwork in the book. Maybe not to. I'm sure we're not friends anymore. But I, I didn't, you know. <laughs> well, no. I mean, look. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and even if wrong. they're wrong. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> but uh, you know, George Perez is he's he's got a very classical style, and his detail in in like one of the things that you mentioned, the fact that there's all these different characters in there. That's kind of like the hallmark of his his work. Um, like the um, infinite uh, DC. God, I can't even speak it about it. Talk about it. Uh, the the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, they did a cover version for the trade paperback that was painted by Alex Ross, and I don't remember how big it was, but George Perez drew 
500 and some characters wow. on it. Um, so he's he's the guy who's known for being able to draw a lot of different characters and draw them well. Um, and while I certainly can understand your point of view of saying like, oh, uh, it didn't feel like there's a style at work there. There is a, a style, but it's a much more less flashy style. It's more of a... Um, well, that's fair. I just, I don't know. I just, no, and again, it, I'm it, not... It, it felt like, it just felt like an 80s comic where... There's just times where, I mean, none of the characters are drawn poorly, but they're just all kind of drawn the same in, in terms of, and, and, and that I guess that is somebody's style, but I don't, I don't know. I just, something about it just didn't catch my attention. Maybe, maybe cause I'm looking at it, you know, years later, maybe it was like, kind of like, oh, wow, these guys, this guy's drawing this book now. Maybe that, maybe that was a big deal. And it sounds like from what I was reading about it, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I just, it, it wasn't my cup of tea. Okay. I, I was just curious because yeah. I, I feel like in the past we haven't gotten a chance to like dive into that, but I, I thought it was well, an interesting contrast for, um, you know, the 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 series to have two different artists and then they're not drastically different. It's not like you know one of them is suddenly doing you know very like Frank Millerish it's type. It's not work. like they brought Mike Magnolia for the second part of it. And right. like, Everybody's a square with eyes. <laughs> I. I love Magnolia as a person. I love his storytelling. I do not like his art. I feel like we should do an episode where you and I just talk about comic book artists, and then I tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, Weifeld needs pouches. They all have to have pouches. Okay, he's probably the one we'll agree on. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you don't ever shit talk Bagley. That's all. That's about like... I love Bagley, but uh, but I don't know. It just it just felt this book definitely felt like it was an '80s book and not a '90s book, you know. And um, and you, know, you can even say the same for for like Watchmen. It was all presented the same. Like it, it even and that's early '80s. I get that, but it was like there's something about there's just a period there where there's just something about like everything kind of felt stock to me, you know. And and again, it's my perception, um, you know. But I don't know. I feel like there was the big differences in creative output was coming soon or if it was already happening, like you said. Because uh, I remember picking up uh, Spider-Man 1 that McFarlane had drawn the cover for, and it was webs on webs on webs on webs. You know, that's yeah. all he ever did, right? But it looked, you knew McFarlane when you saw him. And maybe just because I'm not as well-versed, I don't think I could tell you Perez when I see him versus okay. other artists of that time. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't want to drag this on any further, but I can tell you that, like, I I could spot a, a George Perez drawing a mile away. So, again, fair enough. I'm more focused on art, though, so like that may also be part of it. Yeah. So um, I'm just focused on, on uh, shapes and colors. That's about <laughs> all. No, I don't know. It's just something about it. Just it. It's perfectly okay. It's important that it exists in terms of the Marvel universe and the fact that I feel like that the idea of it is so interesting where you have a guy who is flawed and is seek all he's really seeking is is uh-huh. love and acceptance right because the origin of thanos like his like i said his mom yelled at him because he didn't look right i don't know that's kind of harsh but that's kind of what i got from it and he's trying to obtain something that he hasn't had uh and he goes to huge lengths to get this and i'm going to guess that in the movie because you see in the trailers you see uh looks like a flashback to um him with uh, gamora uh, when she's younger, you're going to get this family feel to it. Yeah. And a tragic family feel to it. And I think Thanos needs to be flawed. And I think even as powerful as he is, as as far as he will take things to get his goals, he ultimately wants things that either can't be taken deliberately 
because that's the whole thing, right? He wants he wants death's attention. He can't force her to like him. Mm-hmm. Now, he could change the reality around it, but he can't change that, right? So I feel like he's always like grabbing for the things that he cannot physically take by force. And if that's always kept at arm's distance, he's always going to like overcorrect, and it's going to cause his own his downfall. Right. So. He's an interesting character, and I think with this one too, especially the way with Mephisto kept screwing with him to try to like work the power play in to kind of get enough leverage to where he tried to grab the gauntlet himself. That was the whole thing. This is all one big like screwball comedy of like grab the glove, grab the glove, grab the glove. It was it's like that was every attempt was like get that glove off him now. And then when they get the glove off Thanos, his thing is okay, great guys, you have a point. I want that glove back. And then there's a couple panels where you see him without his gauntlet. He has like his purple hand out there. And then when they all teleport back to face Gamora, who has the gauntlet, he suddenly has a second glove. Like, I don't know where that other glove came from. Like (laughs) he doesn't have the ability to command reality anymore. So how did he get that glove again? I don't know. It was, it was funny. Yeah. And you know, what's uh, interesting because we haven't really talked about the ending of the story. Yes. Um, But we mentioned that um, you know Nebula, Nebula is a large part of the story, and I, I do think it's interesting at the beginning where he introduces her in such a dickish way, where he's like, "Oh, I brought her because uh, she's about to die, or she's in the throes of death because she's been horribly burned, and like he she's not quite living, but yeah. she's not quite dead." So I think she makes a fantastic art piece. Is I think how he refers he to keeps her. her. He keeps her on the precipice of both. Yeah, and it's almost like to show death that he's capable of keeping something close to but not and she's just this ruined husk of a thing yeah um but his his downfall and the way he loses the glove is is really ham-fisted i guess might be the best way of putting it because he astral projects for i don't even remember what the reason he he fights like the the cosmos the cosmos whatever like one of the one of the big like eternity he fights one of them and takes it over and becomes it. Yeah. But because he is all of eternity, he can't be in his body. So here comes Husk Woman, and she just takes the gun <laughs> off of him. And he's like, oh, why did I do that? It's like, I don't know. You have complete omnipotence. Didn't you see that coming? Like, it, Right. That feels, I don't know. Like the Watcher's staring like he's going to do that. He's going to leave his body. Like the- <laughs> but what's you know interesting about that is, is, well, actually, I don't know that I'd say it's interesting, but it... it the story suddenly shifts from like, oh, now we got to get away from Nebula. And Nebula, I still don't understand her process of like, I'm going to bring all the heroes back. Like, her thought process of like why she restores things yeah, um, never is really clear well, to that me. that was the whole thing is that they tricked her and like she basically was like, well, I'm going to go back 24 hours before to reset all this because basically to because she's aware of what's going on. She's going to have the upper hand. And they trick her into doing that because 24 hours previously she was just a husk. So they was like, thank you, and goes to take the glove again. They're like, no, 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 no. And then, and then they proceed to beat the shit out of him because the heroes are all alive again. You know? Yeah. So I, it, was a, I, I don't know, it was a very comic book way of getting out of it. So it, it was fine, I guess. I, I like that the moment Thanos doesn't have the gauntlet anymore. He's like, no, 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 I'll listen to reason. Like, right. <laughs> and same thing, we didn't even talk about Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom was always just lurking in the shadows and just like, like 
Like you guys, you should give me the glove. Everyone's like, Doom, we don't want to give you the glove. He's like, he's like, I'm the best person for it. It's like, Doom, we're not gonna give it to you. He's like, fine, I'll work with you for now until I get the glove. Like he was always always trying to get the glove. Yeah, and there there is a nice moment uh that happens in the book where Adam Warlock comes up to the Hulk and Wolverine. Like the beginning of their conversation doesn't really make sense because it's the two of them talking and Hulk's like, Hey Wolverine, I like you because we're both monsters and Wolverine's like, I'm not a monster you dick yeah but uh uh they're sitting there talking or whatever and adam warlock comes up to him he's like hey i'm glad you two are hanging out and i just want to talk to you for a second and they're like what's up and he's like uh all the other heroes aren't really going to be on the same page with this but i know you two probably will be so if you get the chance just kill thanos yeah they're like uh are you asking us to just outright kill him and they're like he's like yeah i know you two are the only ones who will probably do it and I was like, that's actually interesting. You don't see that a lot of the times where somebody's like, hey, by the way, when we get in there, I mean, you see it in movies and stuff like that, but in comics at that time, you didn't see a lot of like, hey, by the way. Like, matter of fact, this has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, it's unfortunate because the beginning of that scene doesn't really make a lot of sense where they're talking. No, and there's just weird bits and pieces that you know these books exist in the greater Marvel Universe that there's just things that, like you see Moon Knight for a second. He's like, oh, I'm upset. And you never see Moon Knight again. Yeah. And then like like Cloak is supposed to, like they keep hinting that Cloak's going to play a bigger role. And then he well, goes, he envelops Thanos at one point and then it's for like a panel. And then, yeah, and then Thanos is like, not good. And I'm like, the, you know cloak's done and it was like a weird thing you know and i don't know i just if if this was marvel like flexing his muscles showing that they could do an event series that get people interested and then they do much better ones later because i i guess infinity war and infinity crusade didn't do as well i remember infinity war i thought that was kind of a fun one but um and for it to stay in people's minds like the idea of the gauntlet right like this is the th- I think it's more the idea that you have, and I'm going to bring the gauntlet back here, not the boot. Um, you have, uh, I know, slamming things down. You Listen have to the sound of yeah, all that. Look at that. I'm doing some foley here. You have this thing that has, you know, what is it? Six six stones, right? And the, each each one is a different. It's its own portion, and as you can see in the movies, that like people, no one can grab one on their own. But it takes someone special to even, like Ronan the Accuser, right, has to put his power gem on that hammer because he can't hold on to it. Yeah. But he's able to wield it that way. And then you have Vision who has it on his forehead, you know, and that, that's fine. It's like, and the Eye of Amagato uh, for Doctor Strange, like you see these, these are amazing, powerful things. But the idea that there's someone out there, it's like, I'm going to make this, this glove that it's going to hold all of them and you're all going to be in very big trouble. That's a very... It's an interesting visual, um, and something about just the Infinity Gauntlet itself is just kind of, it, it's just kind of stuck. And I yeah. and, and I know you have a game later about like different powerful objects. Like, is there is there another one off the top of your head that just shows up? I mean, aside from your game, I mean, like, is there something that is like that's the thing that people are going to talk about? Like, I can't think of like a one big bad like, uh oh, here comes the Infinity Stones. You know, like there's a couple that from earlier. But I don't want to say them because they may be part of your game. No, I mean, I, I don't think... I mean, to be perfectly honest, you will get to this when we get to the game, but I picked just accessories that like you would find on different heroes. Oh, and, okay. and uh I didn't go big. I mean there's you know the the like the ultimate nullifier, which I still don't quite understand what that ever it was just, supposed it to just be. Nullifies. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm trying to think in, in the DC universe well, there's even like the the powers cosmic. You know, yeah. like that thing that kind of floats around and become people become, 
you know, cosmic power base that it floats onto another person like that. There, this, but the, something about like this, this is like the biggest MacGuffin in the Marvel universe where it's like, you don't want all the gems together, but you also don't want them all in the glove and don't hand them to Thanos. Yeah. And you know, he's had it multiple times too. You think he would just like, like have like a loop on his wrist and just <laughs> keep it there, you know, like. I don't know. It's just a cool visual. Like I have this bank that I bought a couple of years ago um, before we started recording the show. Uh, before we started doing, it, I should say not. We didn't. This show's not a couple. This episode's not a couple years old. It feels like it. We've been talking for a while. It's it's just a striking visual. Since the gems are all different colors and they all do different things, I just can't think of another comic book uh, MacGuffin. Like maybe not a MacGuffin, but like I don't know how she describe it. That is something that like you know when it shows up it should be taken completely seriously yeah and i'm sure there's probably somebody out there who's got one like, like the, they right got seven right their now tongue. Yeah, yeah and they're like what about this yeah I, I can't think of one um i'm sure there's an equivalent somewhere in the dc uh i mean dark side's got a whole thing about the anti-life equation but honestly i don't even understand what that See, is that sounds so, like math like, and i don't i'm not interested yeah and so um Mm, man uh yeah i can't think of one and uh it certainly makes sense that you would base an entire you know uh, film series around that um especially with the big bad um because i can't think of any others within the marvel universe that they have you know i mean the only other thing i can think of is like if galactus was to come to earth and like you know try and take them on but like he's part of the whole fox deal so that's not going to happen yeah but i mean with the separate stones and they, they all provided their own conflicts that you saw right so it's like and those are big problems that they had to overcome individually yeah and then it's like oh by the way now they're all together you know like that's i just i'm excited i'm excited for the film i was glad that i went back and read the book i don't know if it holds up the best uh, there are elements there that I like. I mean, obviously, all the heroes uniting. Uh, Thanos kind of just saying, like, bring it. There, that's actually what he says on one of the covers, right? Yeah. He's like, it's him, like, waving on the universe. Like, come at me, bro. I like that. I like Thanos was not afraid of conflict, right? Um, I just it, There's good there, but there's also weird stuff, too. Like, uh, there's the whole bit where the people die in the car wreck, but their bodies were needed for Adam Warlock and, and Gamora and... Um, Pip? Was that the? That's not Pip. What the? Yeah. Oh God. Uh, what's his name? Was it Pip? I think it's Pip. The weird, like you the know, fat guy. The yeah, like the bit, little, yeah. little goat guy. I don't yeah. Know, yeah. Like for them to come back, and it was like very glossed over, and it was it was weird. Like Gamora didn't even get a chance to come back. Like Theo snapped his fingers, and she was gone. Yeah. Because her screen, her her skin was turning green, and then like, nope, that's it. We're done with you. <laughs> it was weird. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I just feel like. It, <laughs> It's worth reading, and the good news is since the seven issues that they had tie-in didn't affect you reading those six issues, at least it was a complete story uh, for weird asides of Thor not being Thor and whatever. So I feel like it was a better sit-down read than some of the event stuff recently where it gives you the six issues, but you got to read the 13 issues in between each to gap everything. And this one was its own, for the most part, its own, its own story. So anyway... Yeah, and I mean, since we're at the end of talking about Infinity uh, Gauntlet... Yeah, because we're not going to talk about this infinitely. Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you, We neither of us have seen Infinity, uh, Infinity War yet, and I'm curious to know, wh- do you have any predictions 
That's unfair. Um, because I told you before we started. Oh, that's true. So I, yeah. d- do not, for the love of God, do not go. And I hear, I say this, I feel like this is like the ring where someone's going to just go do it. I was trying to do some research for the show. And, and I don't know if it's just the other's conversation. But I started, there's a Wikipedia article about the Infinity Gems. Because over time, the, the gems, though the names of the gems really haven't changed. The color like associations have. And so, cause so the colors in the film films don't match how they were in the comics originally, but they've aligned that recently. I don't know. Whatever. It seems weird to me that you, whatever. Um, so I was like flipping through the article, scrolling down and it said, uh, infinity gems in the Marvel cinematic universe. And right now, as we know it, we know five of them. We don't know where the sixth one is. And I'm just like, ah, Oh, and someone wrote something that if is true is pretty significant. And I'm not going to say it here. I might have spoiled half the movie for me because I was reading a Wikipedia article about a gym that shouldn't even be known until two days from now. And it's like, that pissed me off. So you tell me if I have, if I have predictions, I have a couple. Well, I guess I meant more in the lines of like, yeah. Uh, who, who do you think will die? If anyone, or <laughs> I just feel like it's time for war machine, probably to exit, which feels bad because it feels like he got shit on in civil war. Like, cause it's just like, Oh, we already have an iron man and we have war machine. Well, he can leave. Yeah. Um, I really think Hawkeye is not going to make it because they keep making a big deal how he's not on the poster and how he's not in the trailer. I'm going to guess that the beginning of the movie, you're going to see Thanos show up and it's going to be one of those things where it's like, I like, the, oh, he's done. I like, oh, they're done too. I think Thanos will come out swinging and kill a couple people from the start and just leave you like just destroyed like mm-hmm. as much as they are. There's people going down the first 20 minutes of that film. That's my prediction. Okay. That's not based upon any Wikipedia movie. <laughs> it's, it's just a notion because you know Ant Man makes it because there's a movie coming. So, but he might still just be stuck in jail. We don't know what he's gonna. Yeah. We don't know what Paul Rudd's. Character, I don't think he's been in any of the previews. I mean, it, unless he's really shrunk down, we don't that's, know. That's fair. Um. So yeah, I feel like. So, do you th- like? What do you think? Do you, what, what? So I I feel like either Cap or Tony are going. Like I think that they're the two that are. I think it's time for Tony Stark to go, like just because I think Robert Downey Jr. wants to leave on a high note. I just figured that'd be the best time to leave the series, even though they did talk about there was filming for Avengers Four where he was there, but that could have been anything, you know. Yeah. And also, I think Chris Evans is kind of done with Captain America. Well, I had read that three was like his last on his contract, but he signed a like deal for one more movie for four. Yeah. Unless that's being exaggerated in the news, but like, I, I kind of feel like those are the two characters that are going to have the most resonance for audiences as well. Yeah, I hate to be like, oh, if you kill Thor, it's not going to have as big of an impact because it it may, <laughs> but I I feel like the the two characters that people probably care about the most in that sense. Because let's be honest, like they just introduced Black Black Panther, he's not going. No, um, Ant Man probably not going. Spider Man definitely not going. Um, <laughs> so he would be like, "What? Like, yeah, how great would that be if they just snuck in just the death of Spider Man? <laughs> I would be heartbroken, but it'd be funny. Be like, now what are you gonna do? Guess you're gonna have to recast him. Um, Find another young British guy to play Spider Man. Uh, Oh God, um, Doctor Strange. He's not going. No. Um, so it really leaves like the three that kind of started off: Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. 
and I just I feel like there isn't as much of an emotional resonance for people. Oh, although I do think Loki's gonna go. That would be well. I mean, he, I have a feeling yeah. he's gonna try and like, hey, well, because you saw him kind of grab the tesseract again yeah. or something. I don't know. Like at the end of Ragnarok. Yeah, I could see him trying to play sides again and then being wiped out. But then again, we thought supposedly he was dead at the end of Thor, even though he knew he was coming back on Avengers. Uh, maybe Nick Fury's out the door, too. Maybe this is the last uh, the last raw for Sam Jackson. Well, my understanding was that he's not in it. I thought he was. I thought he was. Uh, yeah, whatever. There's, I read something like, that he was kind of pissed that he wasn't in it. There's like 87 actors in this. So Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there are going to... Like, it, it, it would serve the movie well if someone that you love is killed in the beginning and i hate to say that but then that actually establishes real stakes in the film and i i feel like the guardians if anybody's gonna go maybe it's nebula especially considering the part that she did play in infinity gauntlet but like when feel, it comes yeah. to those characters, I feel like you have to give them back to James Gunn to decide to do what he's going to do with them in this third movie. Yeah, and I'm going to bet Gamora and Nebula play a bigger role in this movie than people probably think. I yeah. think it's just because of the relationship they have with Thanos, right? So I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe the end you have Thanos and Cable fighting it out. That would be amazing to see some <laughs> uh, Josh Brolin on Brolin action. But yeah, we'll see. I, I expect Captain Marvel to show up maybe at some point. Maybe not this one, but in four. Like, that's going to be something. It would be cool if you don't need to keep introducing new characters, but I don't know. Like, it would be crazy if they introduced, like, a new hero that no one's been talking about. Like, I know Peter Dinklage is in the movie, but no one will say what his character is. I don't know what that means. It makes me excited, though. Are you hoping that he's Puck from Alpha Flight? I'm hoping that he's Watu the Watcher. I hope they. Oh. Bring him in. But it's like, I hope that they, they just do the CG and he's just a huge Pierre Dinklage that just observing <laughs> everything. I would love that. But uh, I don't We'll see. Um, maybe Stan Lee doesn't make it. <laughs> maybe, oh <God. laughs> maybe, maybe that's the first person to go in the movie to see him scope is good. Oh, my God. People would freak out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so. All right. Anyway, that's that's our fractured uh, discussion about the Infinity Gauntlet series. I'm sure next week we're going to talk about Infinity War if we get a chance to see the film. Um, that's my plan. I know life happens, so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, so yeah, that that will do it for that part of the part of the conversation. It was it was long. It was fun. I'm I'm glad that we had it. And clearly. I'm not a fan of artists that Steve likes, so we'll, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, so before uh, moving on, before we get to the game here, I uh, just want to mention a couple things. One, in a couple of days, the show turns three. So if you guys want to, uh, I'm not registered with anything, but if you want to send us a birthday cake, that'd be appreciated. Uh, it's been a fun three years talking on the show, so hope you guys enjoyed the three years worth of, of content, and hopefully we'll do another three or 30 years. Um, so I just want to point that out, pat myself on the back, because I've been doing this a lot. And that, I, that is impressive. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and and to say also, I just I want to you know say that you know thanks to to Joe. I know we haven't talked about him here recently. He was here for the first two two years or so. I wouldn't be able to do it without him. And you know, it, it was fun. And 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 it's been fun with Steve too. So I hope you guys enjoy what we're doing. And it's been it's been fun doing this. So. Uh, uh, aside from that, not to get gushy. So uh, we are on Facebook. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Music, uh, all those places you can get podcasts. There will be a new blog post soon. Um, I'm going to try to watch another Alien knockoff because that's what I like doing. Um, so hopefully that will be here before the end of the month. Uh, and Steve, what what do you have going on? Uh, so SaturdayNightSlasher.com is the webcomic. Uh, I'm going to be at... 
Carolyn John's for free comic book day. I don't know if that's Friday or Saturday yet, um, but I'll be there one of those days doing free sketches. And then uh, May 19th to 20th, I will be at the Three Rivers Comic Con in Pittsburgh. There you go. So yeah. come out and check that out. And also, just uh, mention, I know you, you, know, you, you are so humble. Uh, you did uh, contribute I've never to, been humble. Yeah, you, you did contribute to to a friend of the show, Al Gore of Talk Without Rhythm. You contributed to his Patreon. Yes. And uh, because you did. If you- yeah. So uh, what's cool is, is that uh, if you are at a specific tier uh, of being a Patreon member, um, you can submit a film for El Gore to talk about on a show. Um, I did so, and the film that I did was Land of the Dead, which is uh, the fourth uh, George Romero zombie film. And El Goro actually, I believe, just posted it today. I got to listen to it at work today, or maybe it went up yesterday. I didn't yeah, it was pretty it. recent, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's up now. Um, he covers that along with the original Night of the Living Dead. Uh, one of the things that I really like about El Goro is his ability to either take a viewpoint of a film that I maybe not considered and uh, giving me a reason to re-examine it, or just the fact that he's very articulate about the way he speaks about film. Um, it, it's funny because like I kind of wish I could have him just come on the show and I write stuff down and he, him just read it because I'm like <laughs> he's far more articulate than I am a lot of the times but uh, um, go listen to it it's a really great episode um, and I want to thank him for throwing a shout out to both this show and my webcomic the Siren Slasher on his show as well so uh, and if you're on Patreon go support um, Talk Without Rhythm because it's one of the best movie podcasts going on right now yeah good stuff and uh he yeah he makes it look so easy you know yeah. and here we are stumbling through a comic book and he just he watches like multiple movies a week and doesn't then talks by himself and i don't know <laughs> it's it's a, it's a strange magic that he pulls off and it's it's wonderful so so yeah uh um yeah go check that out uh and also so we, yeah we got it before we go we got it we got to do got to do the game so we're going to do a quick game and then and then that that's going to end this um really short episode that we've had <laughs> Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> he chose poorly. So the uh, the game that we're going to be playing today is is that uh, in reading Infinity Gauntlet, I thought about the fact that uh, you know it is one of the most iconic iconic accessories i guess that you could have as a superhero and there are other ones that other superheroes have that are just as iconic and some that aren't but uh when i looked at it you know there's things like you know batman's utility belt or um you know the eye of agamotto that that dr strange has there's there's always something that certain characters will have or that they've made uh or invented i should say that uh will be associated with those characters and i thought wouldn't it be fun to find some of the more interesting ones and then also make up a few to throw in there to throw paul off so the the idea behind the game today is is I'm, i've got 10 items here that are superhero accessories okay and paul's going to tell me if they're real or not like real as in in the universe yes <laughs> so if this actually came from a comic book or not we'll put it that okay, way perfect all right so number one here is the ant catapult made by ant-man and what the ant catapult was was it was a catapult that he literally used to travel long distances at the size of an ant so like if he had to crawl across the room at the size of an ant it might take him an hour to get to the other side but having a catapult would help yeah i'm gonna say that's real 
Yeah, that is real. Okay. Yeah, the uh, ant catapult was really a thing. I think it was invented in somewhere in the 70s. Um, Couldn't you just grow to regular size and just take three steps and then shrink back down? You would think, but, you know, back then, you know, they were like, we got to give crazy inventions to Ant-Man. Hank Pym's like, you know... I got better things to do with my time than to to get to grow larger, beat my wife, and then shrink back down. <laughs> yeah. I got I got to do it quickly, so I need a catapult to do <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hank Hank Pym of the Ultimate Universe is not a nice guy. That's what else? No, he's not. Yeah. Uh, so number two is uh, radioactive nasal enhancers. Now this is something that Daredevil would use to enhance his sense of smell. Oh, that is so dumb. That sounds real, but I'm gonna say it's fake. Yeah, that's true. I made that one up. It sounds like something they would do. It's you, know, <laughs> you got to expose yourself to more radioactive waves to, to get better senses. All right. So number three is atomic booties. Now these were used by a character by the name of Goody Two Shoes. What Goody Two Shoes' big thing was is that he was a Fantastic Four villain, and when he had the atomic booties on, he could kick like Ben Grimm, and he would use them to kick the crap out of Ben Grimm until he realized like the rest of him wasn't protected. Oh, that sounds like a goofy 60s thing, so I'm saying it's real. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're three for three. Yeah. All right, so the next one here is a green arrow arrow. And uh, as we all know, he's got a bag of tricks in the back of his his quivers, if you will. Um, So there was uh, something uh, that he had, which I don't know why he ever would devise this, but it was called the chimney sweep arrow. And he used it to get out of a (laughs) chimney. I'm going to say no, but I believe it's real because it sounds dumb enough to be a real thing. It is real, yeah. Okay, so I... He chose poorly. I chose poorly. (laughs) So the next one here is the Kryptonian hair detector, which is something Lex Luthor used. Um, It was a specific uh, tool that he had put in. It was sort of like um, when you would walk through a metal detector, but what it could do was it could pick up on uh, the DNA in Superman's hair. So if he walked through, even in his, you know, secret identity as Clark Kent, Lex Luthor would know who he was. That sounds real. Yeah, it was fake. Oh, oh. Okay. I chose poorly. I just like the idea of a Kryptonian hair detector. It just sounds dumb enough for like an early Luther thing. Like, I'll know if this guy has Kryptonian hair, you know. <laughs> All right. So the next one here is the plasmoid telemeter gun. Uh this was an invention by Reed Richards. When he fired it upon you, it gave you for one hour the ability to stretch and change your body like he did. That that has to be real. I made that one. Oh, up. okay. Again, you you go into the, these weird sixties. It all sounds <laughs> sounds like something like you you realize the first few issues of the Fantastic Four they had him turn into a tire, right? And, 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 and help, and you see him stretch with his face like, and this, and it's like you're running over his face. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I just like the idea that or the name plasmoid to lemon gun because That's it also sounded. Reason why I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, the jellyfish gun uh, used by Aquaman. Now, what it did was is that it would stun uh, its victims very much like if you were to be bitten by a jellyfish. I feel like he would just summon jellyfish to do it, so I don't think he needs a gun. Yeah, that's true. That I was I made that one up. <laughs> but it sounded stupid enough to yeah. be like, Aquaman's got a jellyfish gun. Now, if you told me Stingray of uh, like one of the reserve Avengers had that, I'd be like, that sounds right. 
All right, this, this next one here is the secret identity disc. This was something that was in Batman's uh, utility belt. And what it was was is if he thought he was going to die, he had a little disc that said Bruce Wayne is Batman so that if he died, some criminal couldn't take over the act of being Batman. That sounds like something Batman would plan for. Yeah, and it's it, but it is funny that like the world's greatest detective would carry something around with him that says Bruce Wayne is Batman, aka driver's license. That's yeah. really like you know. Yeah. righty. this next one here is the uh, sword of Glymantia. Uh, it's something that Loki used against Thor. Um, it's an ancient Thor. It's an ancient sword, and it had similar properties as Mjolnir. That's yeah. That sounds right. It's fake. I made that oh, up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last one here uh, is the spider wave transmitter. This was something that Doctor Doom created to talk to to um, Spider Man. When Spider Man first became on this came on the scene, people didn't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. Doctor Doom thought he w- might be a bad guy, so he created a special a special way to talk to Spider Man using a spider wave transmitter. I'm gonna say that's fake. That one's actually real. Oh my! What's great is is he's got like a gigantic spider in his lair too for no reason, (laughs) and he uses that as the basis of how to talk to Spider Man. (laughs) That's weird. All right, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. I I hope you enjoyed them. I enjoyed making them up. Um, And like, I wanted to find like the ones that were big, but I as soon as I picked picked them out, I was like, oh, you know, these will be dead giveaways. So if I pick out like. You know the ultimate nullifier. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be obvious. So no, that was fun. No, you're right. That that's a, that was a good game. So all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, uh, probably talking about Infinity War, the film, because it's a three hour movie. You know, I feel that if we watch it, we might want to talk about it. We'll have thoughts. Yeah, we'll have thoughts. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, have a safe week, and um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I got nothing. Like that was a long talk about the Infinity Gauntlet. So. Um, if you, the gauntlet's good, the boot is bad. (laughs) Yeah. Have a good week. Have a good week, guys.